Today on Locked On Predators, what do the Preds need to do over the last week of the regular season to get into the postseason and lock up a playoff berth? Run down those questions in just a little bit. Plus, physicality has been the name of the game for the Predators this season. Even though they're not dropping the gloves as much as they were, it's still living on in every game they play. Plus, a couple of the newer guys on the team, who would you like to see them model their game after? Topics we're going to dive into today on the Locked On Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com. Normally, I have a partner in crime, but Ann Kimmel has the day off. So instead, I am bringing in the oats to my hall, the big boy to my Andre 3000. Uh, I can't think of any more. The the machine gun Kelly to my uh, Megan Fox, I guess. Oh, here's Sean Smith from On the Forecheck. I'll take that. That's fine. You can just call me by my name. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't mind being Oats, though. Dude's pretty legit, so yeah. I'll the, take it. The mustache game, I think, is what really makes Oats. So so strong. So strong. Just, just luscious and thick. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, there's no better way to start a podcast than a luscious and thick reference. <laughs> Yeah, it's all downhill from here, folks. It's all, uh, oh boy. Yeah, for the for those of you who don't know, me and Sean uh, were longtime hosts of the On the Forecheck podcast. Uh, he now does On the Predators with Alex Daughtry every week. Uh, I do, of course, Locked on Predators here. So this is a bit of a reunion, buddy. Good to see I know. you. I'm, I'm really excited. When I got the call, I was like, surely not. We're not getting the band back together. But yeah. next thing you know, I'm tuning up my bass and here I am ready to rock. Oh, the band is back together and uh, a perfect time because we, my friend, are in the stretch run of Predators hockey. Uh, of course, they have a couple of days off before a back-to-back this weekend. They're at Tampa Bay, then at home against Minnesota. They got one more game against Calgary, kind of run it back from uh, two nights ago, and then ending this season with a back-to-back at Colorado and at Arizona. Yeah, Sean, I mean, this is, this is you know, me and Ann have talked about it a lot. This is just kind of the, you know, the devil's canyon for the Predators this last month or so. I, you know, it's it's funny because the team seemed like they surged for so long this season. And it was like, <clears throat> I believe, you know, Alex always talks to me about the regression monster, which terrifies me and frightens me because I don't feel safe in my own house when I hear about monsters, but um, he assures me that it's not a physical monster, but something that actually happens to a hockey team when they exceed at a, a high level, and then they kind of go back to the norm. And and we haven't really seen the Predators do that until this this last stretch here. And it's like, the, yeah. is this really the time you want that to happen? And the answer is probably no. But no. it seems like they're working their way through it. Things are getting closer and closer to a clinching scenario, right? I would assume so. Yeah. I'm not good at math. Uh, our buddy Brian Bassin on the four check has been really good at putting out kind of the, uh, the magic number math. 
yeah um on his page uh, that kind of details exactly what the scenario is five games right now is, is indicated by this the hand being this, held up i think i think the magic number is five but i think there's also teams playing as we record that it could shift that number. So yeah, uh, I think Vegas right now is losing to Washington, uh, but of course we're recording this the night before. Uh, and yeah. if Vegas loses, that's you know we're not going to say clinch, but you know that's that's certainly going to be a very uphill battle for anybody to unseat the Preds. Um, you kind of mentioned it earlier that that Calgary win uh, a couple of nights ago. Um, not only did they get the win, but they looked really, really good while doing it. And I think that was key because you go back to the past couple of weeks and even some of the Predators wins that they had, they didn't necessarily look, you know, super clean. You know, it's not like, you know, the, the Preds hockey we saw from like November, December and January, where they were just on their P's and Q's and just kind of finding ways to control the game. La- um, the Calgary game a couple nights ago seemed to go back to that formula, Sean, where it was just, it, it felt like a statement win almost. You know, I, I think it's, it's interesting to say the least that it, it was a statement win, because when you go back, if you rewatch the first, even the second period, things didn't really start getting spicy at all until, until the end of the second. Um, it was what a lot of people call low event hockey. But the, the fact of the matter is that, low event hockey can win games. Um, you don't have to have a score of, you know, something crazy like say eight to three to, to win two yeah. points. You just need to win by one. And it, it, compared okay. to the, compared to some of the games the Predators have played over the past couple of weeks, low event is actually an upgrade. Yeah. Let's I'll take the low event. And I used eight to three for a reason, but <laughs> oh, um, oh, we remember. Oh, Oh, we remember. We have a long memory. We are not a goldfish, um, but here's here's the thing for me. Um, the Predators did. They made a statement with that game, and it was interesting after the game. Uh, I think it was while we were talking to uh, – I think it was Matt Duchesne after the game. He made the comment that the teams played each other with a lot of respect, and I, I think it was an interesting statement because you don't – you never really hear anybody on the Predators say things like, there's a lot of bad blood. we got to take care of business. They, that's not – part of their vocabulary and even if they're thinking that they're certainly not going to say it out in the open but um they said the teams played each other with a lot of respect and i almost feel like both teams have to be aware that number one they're playing each other again a week after the game they just played but even then they may end up playing each other in the first round of the playoffs and then you don't want to start anything in these last two games of the regular season that's going to start the playoff series off on a really negative note so I think you didn't see as much of, say, the, I guess, the aggressive physicality that maybe you got used to, which might might kind of make the statement win or the identity win thing, uh, you know, come to mind. But I think they definitely played an identity game, even if there weren't punches thrown. Yeah. And we we're going to talk a little bit more about the physicality aspect of the Preds in just a little bit, because there's a lot more that goes into physicality that, that makes the Preds a physical team besides, you know, throwing big hits or dropping the gloves or whatever. But to me, it was kind of a throwback to what the Preds did earlier this year, which is just really good defense in front of Soros. Um, we, we talked about it. The flames are one of the best offensive teams in the NHL um, which is it's kind of still weird to think about just thinking about the Calgary Flames being sort of a defensive specialist team for 
you know, years and years and years now. Um, and then, you know, Nashville shut them down for the most part. They really limited their chances. Um, and then the sh- the shots that did go through to UC Saros, he stepped up and made a couple of really good saves down the stretch. And it, it's key that we bring that up because it, it seems the Predators have gotten away. I don't know. I don't know. And I'll ask you, Sean, it's maybe their identity a little bit or maybe their execution. Hmm. Are you saying that you think maybe they've gotten away from their, their physical identity or that they're just not executing that identity very well? Is that the question? I, I, think, I, I think it more towards the execution of the identity. Okay. Like if you go back to like the last couple of months, when they start to go into, as you call yeah. it, the, the regression monster. Yeah, he, he's around checking. here somewhere. <laughs> I'm checking the corners. Yeah. Um, look, here's the thing. If you if you look back over the past, I'd say even just month, um, you're you're got to see a side of John Hines post-game, especially after losses and even after some wins that weren't necessarily pretty wins, that he seemed a little bit upset. And you can tell John Hines isn't happy, not because he not because his blood pressure rises, his face doesn't get red, he doesn't change the expression on his face but he doesn't talk much when he's not very happy. And, and that's, you know, I think for all the people who want to think like, oh, well, if the Predators have a bad period, the, the coach is going to go in the locker room and lose his mind. I mean, that doesn't even happen in the first place with John Hines. But even beyond that, after the game, he's not going to come and scream and rant and rave to the media. He's very educationally minded, um, which, you know, I myself am a teacher, so like, I get that. He doesn't, he doesn't look at the game that just happened and, and get angry. He says, okay, how do we fix it? And he kind of approaches it from that direction. He can be frustrated after games when things don't go well. But for the first time this season, over this past month or so, that was the first time we really saw angry John Hines after games. And so I think, you know, the question of execution is definitely, they weren't executing at the level they needed to in order to play the type of game they needed to play to put themselves in the best chance to win the game. Um, I mean, it's still the game plan. It's still the identity, but they're not executing it. Um, And I think, I think the game against the flames, since we were just talking about it was really a big step back toward executing their identity style play at a very high level. Yeah. I mean, we used the term statement when earlier to me, it was more of a statement in the Preds locker room. It's like, look, This is kind of who we've been all season. Uh, just because some of the losses and wins haven't gone our way lately, this is still the team that we've been all season. We still have it in us. And, you know, this Calgary Flames team, they're tough, but they're a team we may play in the postseason. And I've, I've said this to Ann a couple times, Sean, um, and I want to get your take on it. Okay. My take is that when the Preds are on, when they're really on, there's not a team in the Western conference that scares me when they match up. I'm not going to go ahead and guarantee a win over anybody, but I don't look at any team in the West and say, yeah, the Preds are going to be outmatched greatly in that one, just because I think when they're on, they have all the key components to, to winning, getting far in the postseason. I, I can get behind that statement, Nick. What's what does Ann said? Has she agreed with you? She agrees. Yeah. She agrees. Me, me and Ann are on the same page about most things other than Alex Ovechkin's goal chase. Oh, okay. Well, here's what I'll say and, and to, to what you what you brought up. Um when the predators are on their game, 
when they're when they're making statements, when they're playing to their identity, what you have to remember about some of these very high octane offensively minded teams, like say for example, the Colorado Avalanche. Let's just throw that name out there. Yeah. A lot of what they do they're able to do because they are able to take advantage of the other teams. They're able to um, kind of make a statement early that, Hey, we're going to skate down the ice. We're going to get through the neutral zone quickly and you're going to let us into your zone or you're going to pay the price. And I think a lot, I'm not saying that teams just step aside and go, here you go. But I definitely think there's an element of that in the way the other teams respond to them. The predators whole mindset from, from puck drop is that we're not going to let you do that. You may be better, you may be a more skilled team, you may have better shooters, you may have whatever, but you're going to have to come through us in order to do it. And when they're on it, and when they're playing that way, you're exactly right. That really messes up a lot of those teams' game plans to be able to go in and just kind of have their way in the offensive zone. And that leads us to an interesting point that I want to get to in a second, because we hear a lot about the uh, the Preds' physicality, um, but there's a lot more that goes into that other than just fighting and throwing big hits. And I want to break it down with you in just a second. First, yeah. I want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Shady Rays. Shady oh. Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for just the fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Ray's Insane Protection Program. That's right. Shady Ray's includes loss and broken protection on every pair they sell. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Even if it's your fault, even if you left them on a plane or stepped on them while you're cleaning up your nonsense, they will replace them for you. So give them a try. And if you don't love them, you'll pay absolutely nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to Fight Hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com and use code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses, backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Well, there is nothing shady, Sean, about the way the Preds play. We talk about it. You and I have talked about it several times about the identity and the physicality of which the Preds play. But there is so much more that goes on into the Preds being a physical team other than fights, which they're leading the NHL in and throwing the big body around. We know they levy a lot of hits we know they get in a lot of fights but there is so much more beauty and so much more intricacy into what goes into the preds being a physical team yeah i i'm gonna make a comparison here and i just just bear with me bear with me okay i have no choice (laughs) you're right um so if you if you think back did you see the movie uh catch me if you can starring leonardo dicaprio absolutely yeah okay really enjoyable movie great movie um in the movie i believe frank abagnale's father makes a has, has a statement where he says something about why nobody can beat the yankees do you remember what the reason is because they can't stop looking at their pinstripes can't stop looking at their pinstripes. If you look at the fact that the Predators are leading the NHL in fighting majors, with, and it's not just, well, they've got a slight lead over another team. 
they've got almost double what the next team has. And it's, it's, yeah. it's really lopsided. And I think that's a lot like those pinstripes on the Yankees uniforms. People are so busy looking at those fights that they're really missing out on what physicality means for the Predators and their identity. Yeah, they're fighting. But fighting, I believe, is a natural kind of uh, reaction to the way they play the game. People don't like it. And if I go all the way back to when the team first hired Dan Hynote as an assistant coach, he, he said this before he had ever sat down with anybody on the team, had ever even been, as far as I know, in the locker room. But he said it was all about doing all of the little things along the way that wear a team down. And what he meant by that is forcing the other team to try to win puck battles, going into the corners, doing the dirty work, digging the pucks out, finishing all your checks, doing all these things, and making the other team fight for every inch of ice they get. When you do that through the whole game, and I'm going somewhere with this, by the end of the game, things start to open up. And they open up because you've worn the other team down. The other team gets tired of doing this. And it may be one of those situations where, okay, score's tied one-to-one. It's tied, oh no, might go into overtime. But maybe the last six, seven minutes, that other team's finally just, they're tired. They start seeing a lot of, you know, shooting lanes, passing lanes, things opening up, opportunities for odd man rushes, the ability to spring a guy, stuff like that, that, you know, on the offensive side opens things up. But on the defensive side, it's really important that you understand that a lot of what they're doing is making it harder for that team to get into the zone and try to score. You know, we talked about a few minutes ago about Colorado kind of having their way with some teams and being able to enter the zone at will and get set up, forcing them to dump the puck every time, making them chase it, getting into puck battles, forcing them to fight for the puck, not only wears the team down, but it makes it a lot harder for them to get high danger chances and things like that. When you really limit the number of shots that they're willing, or not willing to, but able to take, you're making the workload on your goalkeeper a lot, lot lighter And when you do that, when the goalie's seeing easy stuff and he's not seeing a lot of it, he's got an easy night and you're giving him the best opportunity he has to win the game for you. You just have to score a few goals on the other end. Yeah. It's like the Derrick Henry theory for the Tennessee Titans. You know, the theory where it's like you watch him in like the first, the first half, it's like, you know, one yard run, two yard one another one yard run. And it's kind of like, Oh, that's, that's the best running back in the NFL. But then it's like, you you see it as the game goes on, you know, every time that giant 250 pound man who runs a 4.4 speed, every time he lays a hit on you, it gets a little bit harder to get up back to the line. The next play, it's a little yep. bit tougher to wrap him up next time just because you're so like not just physically hurting, but a little bit mentally shot. And that's kind of the thing with the Nashville brothers. I feel like, you know, we talk about some of these slower starts the Preds have had, and it's kind of been a trend, you know, the Predators maybe the first five, 10 minutes of the game, there's a lot of mistakes, you know, they're kind of a little bit of a sloppy play and then they kind of dig themselves out of it. It goes on. And it's interesting listening to, you know, hear your, kind of explanation for that because that is something that you can tie into you know the preds are being very physical they're going all out really on both ends of the ice and you see that lead to maybe some mistakes um, some wide open chances for the other team but as the game goes on you start seeing the tables turn a little bit it's the other team 
that's starting to make a little bit more mistakes. You know, the Predators jumping on chances. And it seems like John Hines has really kind of installed this, you know, um, this win, win the war, not the battle kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that's, I think it's funny too, you know, if you, if you go back and watch, I could keep telling you to go back and watch the Calgary game again. Um, I've seen it. Yeah. But I, I mean, I know we've all seen it. You notice, and it's funny because what I saw a lot of guys from Calgary do is run their mouth at Tanner Janot, right? I saw a lot of talk. I saw Coleman was just nonstop saying stuff. But I also noticed that Coleman ducked away a few times when he saw Janot coming. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because they'll still talk the talk, but when – I mean, talks just talk, right? As, well, they're, they're trying to beat him into something, obviously. Yeah. But as the great – as the late great DMX said, talk is cheap. And then he said some other things, but I don't know what kind of what kind of podcast. This is a family this is. podcast. It's yeah, a family podcast. So yes, he said talk is cheap, um, but if you watch the way the guys act when they're around Jano on the ice, that tells you what's really going on. They can run that mouth all day, but when they start ducking hits and, and maybe thinking twice about trying to enter the zone when he's on the blue line, that's when you know you're winning the war and not just the battle. Yeah, and that's been the key. And you know what? We, we talk about the herd line. We know, you know, the kind of style they play. But you look up and down the roster, and the physicality is everywhere. One guy we mentioned was, was Cody Glass. Mm-hmm. And that was a guy that we really, you know, at the beginning of the season, he came in with a lot of, I guess, reputation for being, you know, sort of the playmaker sort of the guy who you know is the guy that makes all the pretty passes um and then he goes down to milwaukee and ever since he's been back you see the change in his game he is getting to the net you know he's not necessarily the guy that just hangs out at the win and like the wing and tries to make an easy play in he is using his body to try to create plays for himself and for his line mates and you know it's funny sean another guy that i think really embodies that and it's been more of a longer term picture is mikhail granland oh yeah that is another guy the we watch him the last couple of years in minnesota and then watch him you know, the evolution of his game since he's been in Nashville, he is a completely different player. He's not that, you know, he is still an A plus playmaker, but he's not, you know, just the speedy winger who's going to set up plays. He is doing it all 200 feet of ice. I, I think, I think there are a lot of instances and, in, in, you know, uh, Ryan Johansson, in, another guy. Oh, jo- Johansson is a big boy. I think that's what a lot of people forget. Yeah. is that he is he is a large body out there and when he wants to use it the way that that he can good i mean look out good luck i mean that's that's a huge dude but i'll tell you the thing about granland and and this really surprised me there were several instances and i was i was covering in person on tuesday um for the calgary game where i would look down and i would see somebody in a jersey that ended in number 4 getting really aggressive getting really physical with a player in front of the net and i kept thinking why is Janot out there with, with Forsberg and Duchesne? It doesn't make sense. And I realized it was Granlund. Granlund's out there looking like a completely, like he's like a brand new man. He's out there. He's, he's willing to throw his body around. He's getting into shoving matches. I mean, he is getting very, very physical out there and trying to make stuff happen. I mean, he is a net front disruptor. And 
you know, I think I asked him at the beginning of the year after we noticed a, a major change in his net front play, like, you know, hey, what have you done with your net front game to, to make this change? And he was really coy. He's like, I don't really think I'm doing anything different than I've ever done. And I'm like, well, buddy, we've been watching different games. Yeah. <laughs> he had receipts. Yeah, <laughs> we can go back and show you not doing that quite a bit. I mean, not not to take anything away from him, but saying that whatever this this evolution of Mikhail Granlund is, it's definitely a lot more aggressive, and it's definitely a welcome thing. And you, you talk about um, you know making making plays happen and making things happen for Forsberg and Duchesne out there to have a combined seventy nine goals on the season. Um, you can attribute a lot of that to Mikhail Granlund. Absolutely, and of course, Roman Yossi having a career year doesn't hurt either. Um, no. I want to talk to you about some of the newer guys on the team. I want to get your take on how guys like Cody Glass and Jeremy Lazan have been playing. Uh, first, though, I want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's NBA playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season and the Stanley Cup playoffs in just a couple of weeks. Bet Online is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. They have a lot of different props and odds for every single Preds game. It's things like who's going to score the first goal who's going to have more penalty minutes will there be a fight blah 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 pretty much any prop bet you can think of bet online has you covered so go check it out head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action that's betonline.net where the game starts sean the preds uh, have had a couple of minor roster turnover things really sense of trade deadline. Uh, I want to get your thoughts. We talked about Cody glass a, a little bit in terms of the physicality part. How, uh, what changes have you seen in him since he's been back in the predators lineup? So one of the biggest things, and I, if you go back to the beginning of the season and, and look at those games, I remember watching him very closely. I I've made no secret of the fact that, that my, my precious, precious son is, the biggest Ryan Ellis fan possible. And, and we had a really rough time when he was traded. So I've really had my eye on guys that were a part of that deal to kind of see how they've developed. And so watching glass early on, um, like you said, you know, he was kind of known as the playmaker, the guy to make really good passes and things like that. But, and I'm not going to use the word unwillingness, but there is definitely a hesitancy to get involved in the physical aspect of the game. Um, and he also played with a lot of indecisiveness, um, you know, really, one of the things that John Hines has said is like, you know, look, he, he's been injured. He was coming off an injury when he came to the team. He really hadn't had a ton of chances to play. He hadn't played a lot of hockey. So getting him the chance to go to the American Hockey League and play for head coach Carl Taylor. Mm -hmm. Your boy. Out, my boy. Um, would do him really well. He got 60 games down there and he's come back. He's much more decisive with the puck. He's much more aggressive and he's much more willing to engage in puck battles and to just really much like Mikhail Granlund, be a net front disruptor and try to make things happen for his line mates up there. He also seems faster too. Um, I don't think that speed was necessarily an issue before, but everybody always says the one of the biggest differences between the AHL and the NHL is just the speed at which the game is played. So he seems like he is right there with everybody on these plays. I've really enjoyed watching his skating kind of change from the beginning of the season to now. 
Yeah, I mean, you you notice it. I mean, it's definitely noticeable. And I was kind of on the train of, you know, I don't know why Cody Glass is going down to the minors. Um, I don't know why, you know, he's not being used more, blah, 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 all this and all that. And you don't really get an answer to that question until you see him back up and you see the difference in his game. Um, I mean, we, we sort of saw it a little bit last year when Ellie Tolvanen came back. You know, he was yeah. a completely different player than the player everybody kind of thought the Preds drafted. You know, he played a totally different style of game. Um, and it's a shame he's kind of hit a, a cold snap this year. You know, he's obviously still got a lot of room to grow. But, you know, when you see kind of plays like that, it's it kind of reminds us as fans to, okay, let, let's take a step back let's breathe let's trust what they're doing and let's see what happens when they come back in the lineup because there might be a reason more than just what we're seeing right now well i think you've seen a lot of players recently uh take ellie tolvanen for example cody glass you know what do we always know about ellie tolvanen before he came to the nhl he had a really nasty wrist shot right what do we know about cody glass he could make really good passing plays when you go to the AHL and play in Milwaukee under head coach Carl Taylor, yeah, boy, my boy, he is focused on look, next time you're at the, in, up playing at the NHL level, what are you going to do aside from those things that you're known for to really show that you're a more complete player? And he wants to add on those layers to their game. So, someone like Ellie Tolvanen with the uh, wicked wrister there, they also wanted to add a physical element to his game. He worked on growing into his body. He's a much bigger guy than he was when he first showed up and he leans into that aggressive role. And I think you take somebody like Tolvanen, I'm not going to say that the results are going to be the same, but remember last season when Matt Duchesne was doing everything right, but not getting rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's where Ellie Tolvanen is right now. He's doing the right things. Yeah. He's generating chances. They're just not hitting the back of the net. And I'm hoping that maybe <laughs> over the offseason or maybe even before that, things will start turning his way. You take Cody Glass, like you said, you know, he's known for making the, the pretty passing plays and setting things up. But ha- now they've added those layers to his game. I still think he can grow into his body, number one. Right. But number two, he's much faster. So he's not just there to, to make passes. He's there to get down and, and defend and things like that. And he's also playing a much more aggressive physical game therefore he's not just a you know a one note player that comes in and can do one thing and it looks really cool when he does it but the rest of the time they're just kind of useless out there is there is there a player on the preds now or or maybe let's just open it up to anybody in the nhl that you look at cody glass and you say this is somebody that he can kind of emulate maybe best case scenario this is somebody he can kind of grow into well, I'd say on the Preds, what I'd really like to see is I'd like to see him spend some time with Mikhail Granlund, and I'd like to see him just learn the, what I would call the Granlund wizardry um, with setting up his line mates and that net front disruption. I think he's he's showing a knack for it, and I think if you kind of got him with someone who's really figured it out to kind of teach him and demonstrate a little bit better, I think it would be really beneficial for him, and I think you would see him become even better than he has already gotten after spending time in the AHL. I don't know about league wide. What do you think? 
I don't know about league-wide either. I was going to say, doesn't he kind of remind you of Ryan Johansson a little bit? He does. He is big. I mean, he's, he's got yeah. He's got the same build, yeah. and he was kind of had the same reputation, albeit with a very, very small sample size, yeah. as Johansson did when he kind of came in. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're both lanky. They're both guys that kind of had to learn to grow into their bodies a little bit. And I look at Glass's game, just like the really good setup, like the really good eye for making a good hockey play. And that that's something that Ryan Johansson has too. And so that, that to me is more of an interesting, okay, maybe this can kind of be your Ryan Johansson carbon copy. Hey, you know, you can have a lot of really good mentors yeah. <laughs> on the team. It, it doesn't you hurt. Can, yeah. You can definitely if you're pull to choose from between everybody. Ryan Johansson and, and uh, Mikhail Granlin, there's there's worse picks to choose from. Oh, I agree. I agree. But yeah, that makes sense. That's a good call on Johansson. I was I was more thinking about the uh, I wasn't thinking about the, the body shape and size as much as I was thinking about the <clears throat> style of play. Johansson's orangutan arms. His long orangutan arms. Yeah. Uh, wow. Obviously, he he's hurt now, which is kind of a bummer. But what are your thoughts on Jeremy Lazan? Because that's another guy who came in at the trade deadline with not a lot of positive reinforcement behind him. Um, I think he's played really well. Um, and obviously, it's a shame he's hurt and was probably going to be out, at least for the rest of the regular season, it sounds like. But... Yeah, what what are your thoughts on how he's played so far, and maybe his longer term fit here? Yeah, that initial reaction was was kind of rough, um, and I think you know I don't think it was undeserved in the sense that you know the numbers looked bad. But again, if we judge everything by numbers and we're only looking at things from one angle, um, it really took. Uh, and I'll I'll go ahead and, and give credit once again to Twitter user Angry Preds fan. Um, for pointing out a few things and saying, I went back and kind of looked at, at how he was deployed on the team, especially when he played in Boston. Um, and he was playing, I want to say he's playing on the top pairing. And yeah. it, was, it was not really where he needed to be. Um, it wasn't a style of play on the top pairing that was going to fit his, his style. Um, and it wasn't really going to develop. And then, of course, he gets sent to Seattle, which as much as people thought Seattle might turn into be Vegas part two, yeah. Seattle has turned into be Seattle. Seattle part one. Seattle part one, which um, <laughs> is kind of like maybe uh, maybe Preds inaugural season. It's not it's not great, um, but <laughs> I think the GMs learned their lesson. But that's another story for another day. Yeah. Well, um, we, but Ann and I had a very long thing yesterday uh, about where the the Kraken went wrong this year. Yeah, I, I think I think you've you've got him on a team now where he's going to be used in the role that he is kind of built for while at the same time playing on a team with some Norris caliber defenders that he could learn a lot from. I mean, you've got to remember Roman Yossi is not just the best defenseman on the predators. He's one of the best defenders in the entire NHL. And, you know, that in and of itself, he's a captain of the team. He kind of sets the standard for, you know, this is how we, this is how we work on and off the ice. This is the kind of mindset we bring into the arena every time we come in or the practice facility, regardless time with someone like Roman Yossi, that's one of those intangibles, you know, that's, you can't really account for that on, on paper. It's like, well, you know, what's behind this change? Dude's playing 
right beside Roman Yossi in practice yeah. all the time. You've, you've got his ear. Learn from him. Learn at his feet. See what he's doing. Have him teach you. And I think you've even seen him playing as a partner with Yossi several times in the middle of a game, and he looks fine. And what I'd say about that is he's being used right on a team that's known for developing defenders. It seems like a perfect scenario. I think the plan is, I think, if you look at what they did with Mark Borowiecki and Matt Benning, bringing them in initially on uh, two-year contracts, Borowiecki is already renewed for next season. Benning is not. And I feel like the idea is that they're probably going to be looking at Lausanne as, as they're at least in the next few years solution for Borowiecki's partner on the third pairing. I don't know if they're planning to move on from Benning or not, but he doesn't have a new contract yet. And so I think Lazan's probably going to be here for a while. And I think the idea is that what a lot of people consider to be an overpay and a second round draft pick now that he would be say signing an extension means that it wasn't just a rental and that he's, they, they see him as a project that's going to get better. Uh, if you're talking about physicality, you can't do much worse than a Mark Borowiecki, Jeremy Lazan, bottom bear. That's a that's a rough and tough line. I get takes. Tell you what, it takes a pretty tough dude to take a cross check to the mouth. It takes an even tougher dude to go out the next day with a lip full of stitches and voluntarily get into a fist fight with another man. They're built different, <laughs> hockey players. A lot different than you. Have. I would be done for the year if like a stick got anywhere near my neck. I I think on the on the podcast I did with Alex Doherty right after that, I, I grabbed one of these sticks behind me just to, just kind of tap myself in the mouth with it, and it was not it wasn't it's not something yeah. I would advise you to do. Um, yeah, even, it's not it's not with, a Fisher Price toy. No, these are you know like, like carbon fiber. Um, oh, let me grab the old, the old tutu stick here. It's done some damage. Are we gonna, sure. are we gonna get a demonstration? You know, well, I mean, it hit him like, there. yeah, I mean, that's how that's hard. Yeah, and these don't they flex a little bit, but I mean, they don't give if you've got two hands up close, I mean, you're just getting punched in the face with one of these. And yeah. uh, you know, I think he probably got lucky that he didn't lose any more teeth because these things aren't very forgiving. Um, I mean, he came away with quite a few stitches in his lip, so you know he got hurt. But then to turn around and, again, voluntarily drop the gloves with someone whose goal is to punch you in the mouth that's already full of stitches, Yeah. goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, built different. Built different, Mark yeah. Borbietsky is. Uh, well, Sean, it's been fun, man. It's been good to get the old band back together. Get some. No, I've had a good time. Happening. Yeah. This is uh, this is fun. I miss I miss our conversations. I do, yeah. Uh, so the next time Anna's on vacation, I'll uh, I'll know who to call. Uh, in the meantime, where can the people find your work? Oh goodness, 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 Nick. Let me tell you, there's a few places. Of course, you can find my written work at onthefourcheck.com. You can also catch me on the show Renegades of Puck. I'm also on the show on the Preds with Alex Doherty. Um, you know, that's, that's about where you can find me on a regular basis, but um, I've been on the radio a few times recently too, which has been really, really an awesome experience. Um, the, the fact that people are interested to hear, or at least that they think other people are interested to hear what I have to say <laughs> about, uh, about hockey is, is always shocking and impressive to me. So 
any opportunity I get, I'll, I'll definitely let everybody know there on the old twitter.com um, that they can tune in and find me somewhere. But of course, on Twitter, as you can see, I'm going to say it's right there. It's at S-E-S-O-T-F. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm mirrored. So, yeah, you're good. Look at that. Yeah. Um, I'm Nick Morgan. Also, uh, I'll be back with Ann tomorrow. You can find me at onthefortchuck.com as well. Uh, you can also follow the podcast itself at LO underscore predators. And if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe and leave a comment. Let us know what you thought of our takes on uh, the Preds last couple games and the physicality. And let us know if there's ever a topic you want us to discuss in a future show down the road that's going to do it for us on the lockdown predators podcast thank you for making us your first listen of the day we'll be back tomorrow with a preview of the preds back to back weekend slate see you then